If you're in the UK, good evening. If you're in the US or Canada, good afternoon. And if you are in Australia or Japan, konnichiwa, good morning. <laughs> On today's show, we spoke to Gareth Angel Thompson, who's got an amazing, amazing backstory. I can't wait to get into this. But first, intern, roll that intro. I just want to check something, Karen. Are you okay? Because I know it's late for you at the moment. Um, it is late, as in uh, we are we're doing a pre-recorded episode. It is uh, two a.m. in the morning, and I thought I'd wake up to do this show for you guys here with our wow. our awesome host, uh, our awesome guest. I mean, Gareth uh, Angel Thompson. Of course. Now, Gareth, how are you, my friend? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. It's ten a.m. for us, so. Um... You know, I'm I'm bright and peachy. My kids have gone to school. I've had a coffee uh, and a bit of breakfast, so I, I I'm ready to rock and roll. But I, bless you, brother, for for getting up so early in the morning. To be part of <laughs> I, I feel really like the, the 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 things are all switched on us here, Liam. Where I'm the guy who's staying up late now because I've got them up usually at eleven uh, o'clock for our, our paranormal podcasts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, of course. Now, Gareth, you've got. Probably, I mean, we've been wrestling fans for years, and you've got one of the most amazing backstories we've ever come across. Now, there's a, we've got a little clip to show, obviously, from the BBC thing. So do you want to introduce it a little bit, then we'll play it? So is, is this the documentary that went out on BBC Two? Um, That's oh, sorry, BBC the, One. Yeah, Yeah. so it's like a little clipping from it. So do you want to introduce oh, it a little bit? Yeah, so um, last year we were approached by the BBC who heard a little bit about what we were doing with GT Ministries. We were looking at launching a wrestling church, uh, which is pretty phenomenal. Um, and as part of that, they really wanted to dig into me and my backstory, where I've come from and how GT Ministries came to be, how we've somehow paired faith and wrestling together. Um, and so they, uh, yeah, they met my family. They um, were kind of really dug into, into my life and my past as a part of that and then they put that on national television for everyone to see awesome uh, and it's still on the iplayer now if you want to check it out so um yeah let's let's roll the clip this should be interesting the two main things that have helped me get my life back on track have been wrestling and the church wrestling was a massive escape for me as a kid I remember when I was going through some really rough stuff and it just captivated me. The driving force behind the training school, using my past to help others by bringing them into the school and helping them through those struggles and issues that I had as a kid. I was suffering from severe depression from the ages of 14 to 22 with various bouts thereafter. It was really bad. It's well the camaraderie, it's the teamwork. Like I made friends here, I'm, I don't make friends easily. It's all about inclusivity for everyone. It raises my spirits. I come out of there feeling spiritually nourished, but I feel great about myself. And it brings out that creative side of me that makes me feel alive. 
if I can get on stage as a depressed, obese, middle-aged man and still put on a cracking show, you can do what you want to. This is wrong! What's that like, watching that back? Oh, I love it. I'm just... Um... I come alive for this kind of stuff. Anything that can get um, wrestling and faith onto mainstream television, I think is is special and amazing. Um, and uh, it, to me, it kind of validates everything that we're doing. It means that people have seen that and people are still coming up to me even now. I, I went to a coffee shop recently um, to do some video interviews and this guy come over and he goes, are you Gareth Angel? I was like, yes, yes, I am. He said, oh, I saw your BBC thing. And this is in like a Tiffin's coffee shop. He's like, have you got any posters we can put up for your shows? And I was like, yeah, sure. And brought some stuff for him. And I got a free coffee out of it. So, you know, you can't, That's awesome. you can't go wrong. <laughs> I love the fact that you got a free coffee out of it. That's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously, I've seen the documentary. I think it's an when amazing I was, one. Uh, when I was uh, in ministry, um, we would go to the coffee shop, me and my, my, my coworker, and we'd go in, and there'd this, be this big line and because uh, we were doing youth uh, youth ministry, uh, the youth the the teenagers all knew us, so they just brought us a coffee, and we got like special treatments. <laughs> nice. Uh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. So yeah, obviously I've seen the documentary. Now you were very open, obviously, about your upbringing, and one yeah. of the things was you was made homeless. What was that like for you personally? Do you know going through that because that was must have been difficult. Yeah, I, I think you know that. that Becoming homeless was just one of many things that happened in my childhood. Obviously, the documentary covers quite a quite a variety of that stuff. Um, I, I think, really, at the time, I was in survival mode. Really, it was it was a case of I'm on the streets. No one's going to let me in. My family have, have kind of all said, "Well, we're sticking with you, what your mum said. We're not letting you in." Um, my grandmother, who was the one person I thought I could go to, was in Wales, and there was no way I was getting there. Um, so I just kind of had to do what I had to do. So it was a case of, right, guys, knuckle down and, and, and do what we can. And that was, you know, um, stealing from, from places to feed myself. It was being able to crack tins open on the corners of walls to be able to eat cold beans. It was, you know, finding the best place to sleep. And, and I, I, you know, I luckily came across a skip Um which recently I did some work in some homeless ministry and there was a bunch of guys who I was talking to about where they were sleeping and they were saying, oh, we're in tents behind this or we're kind of under bridges or we're here and there. And I was like, have you ever thought about getting in a skip? Because it was, it was warm, it was dry, it was cardboard and polystyrene, it was, it was safe to a degree. Um, and, and, and so I, I kind of felt like an expert in homelessness because I had to be, you know. Um, so, uh, but it, do you mind if I ask tough. a question? Yeah, sure. sure. So were you a homeless due to drug use or just other reasons? No, my mom just threw me out. My mom um, had a massive alcohol issue um, and she was very aggressive towards me and my brothers, um, so much so that my middle brother got taken into care, um, so got taken into, you know, I don't know what you would call them in America, but kind of the youth services and kind of passed around foster homes and stuff. Yeah. Um, but <clears> when <throat> I was 15, my mum had kind of, so there's a few like, there's backstories behind the stories. So obviously the BBC can only put so much in half an hour, um, but you've got the real deal kind of guy here so I can give you some extra context. My mum had actually disappeared for a couple of months and taken my younger brother with her to go stay with one of her boyfriends at the time. 
So while she was gone, I was cashing her gyros, which were kind of like the benefit payments back in the day because I'd done that already. I was buying the gas and electric for the house on the tokens. Um, I was doing the food shop because I had to do all that anyway because my mum was just drinking all the time and I was looking after my brothers. So she was gone and I was just running the house and going to school. Um, and then I wanted to earn a bit of extra money. So I got a job as a window cleaner and doing a paper round. And uh, when my mum come home, she realised I started earning some money, which to her, she then felt, oh, well, if he's earning money, I'm going to lose the benefits, which is what I assumed was going through her head. So she was like, well, you think you're a big man now? You think you've grown up enough to work? Out you go. And she just threw me out in the streets, literally bagged my clothes up and lobbed them out of the window and just wow. locked the door on me and was like, you're gone. Wow. Um, wow. Called the police on me to get me off the off the, off the the garden. Um, and I was 15 at the time. So... Uh, with, you know, I'm 35 now, so we're talking 20 years ago. There wasn't much support for, for 15, 16-year-olds then. Um, so I'm kind of on the streets with, with no kind of service or, you know, there's nothing going on that could just pick me up and put me somewhere um, until I turned 16. So then when I turned 16, which is the beginning of August, so I was out of the house sometime in early June. So I had the eight weeks. August came around. I'd missed all my exams, so I've got no GCSEs whatsoever. I, I, because it was exam season, so I got none of my exams, um, because I was on the streets, and um, I then got put into a, a like a, a B and B kind of bed and breakfast, um, in in Shipley near where I live, and then I got moved to a hostel shortly thereafter, and then I was put in a hostel, and in there there was drug use, there was self harming, there was people stealing from each other that was a really rough place. You know, we're talking like seasoned criminals and, and people who were in there. So I had to fight. I had to scrap. I had to defend myself. Um, I was bullied at school. So all that kind of came along. So I'm, I'm naturally a fighter. So stepping between the ropes is a, is a, is a nice progression in a way of doing it in a safe controlled environment. But you know, my upbringing was you had to fight to survive. So I had to learn how to fight. And um, mm -hmm. you know, that just came with the territory. Absolutely. I've got to ask, what obviously kept you going going through all this at the time? Um, it's interesting because I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have considered myself a Christian then. I wouldn't say I had faith then. Um, I've done a lot of self development in in like the past like ten years, and I've read a lot of books and I've tried to understand what my past has done to me and how I've reacted and and all the kind of psychology behind it. Um, I would say at that time it was my absolute dogged determinist like to be like i will not let this put me down i'm going to show you you're going to throw me out i'm going to show you i'm going to get in this hostel i'm going to be the leader of the pack you're going to put me here well i'm going to be the guy who takes control and and it was very much a case of i'm strong i'm in control i can deal with this i'm going to show you all well it seems like you were doing that already with when you were living with your mother yeah 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 and so i don't know if you know about the enneagram test it's like a personality test um, I'm I'm a number eight, which is an active controller. So essentially, the way I operate is, um, if I can do it better than you, then I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to delegate it. Um, if I'm kind of um, in any position where I can take control and authority, I will. Um, I'm a natural <laughs> leader, um, and you know that comes with pros and cons. It totally does. There, there are some times where I laugh because some... it, that that reminds me so much of myself. Yeah, uh, I, I've only recently learned. Uh, to really delegate uh, because uh, you, you, you got to learn to get out of your own way at, the, at sometimes. Yeah, totally. Totally. Particularly when you're running a wrestling company and there's so yeah. many voices <laughs> trying to feed into that. 
that's a whole other beast. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that, you know, it served me well in different seasons, and it has come with its own, you know, negative aspects. You know, my, my wife will often tell me um, that in the way that, like, with my daughters, there's sometimes where there's just some things you can't control, guys. Your uh, <laughs> your, your daughters are going to do what they want to do. And if that stresses you out, that's my problem to deal with, and I need to learn to temper myself. Um, but yeah, so so I am I am very go-getter, very straight-talking, very determined, very uh, kind of dogged. With if I'm going to make something happen, I'll make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, hence, you know, GT Ministries, the BBC, whatever else seems to come our way. A lot of that has come down to me just being like. I need the world to know about this. So I'm going to tell them. <laughs> so you're the founder of, uh, of GT Ministries. Yes. Yeah. yeah so, so how, was... how did that, uh, how did that come about? So um, I, I've been a pro wrestler for 12 years. Um, and I started wrestling training um, in Blackburn, at a company called RWL, which is the Radical Wrestling League. And, um, similar to a good friend of mine, Jack Johnson, within about six months of me doing that, um, I was already getting booked for shows. Um, was it too soon? Potentially. Um, but uh, a lot of them were saying that I had the stuff you couldn't teach, like the personality and the character. So they could teach me how to run the ropes and bump and do moves safely. The rest of it was stuff that was innately kind of there. So they were like, guys, you are a character. You can control a crowd. You can do this. We just need to teach you how to do it properly. So I ended up working shows. And I did that for a long time. And then um, I got involved in Christian ministry. I started working for uh, for a charity called Christians Against Poverty. So I was kind of touring the country, speaking at churches, um, doing events where I was sharing my testimony and inviting people to come to faith. Um, and I found everyone, when they found out I was a wrestler, they were really interested and more so interested, particularly young men. And so they were coming to me going, okay, I've heard your story. This has happened to me. You're a wrestler. You're really cool. I paid attention because you're a wrestler. And I thought, okay, there's a bridge here that needs to be connected. So and you so, thought, let's mush them together. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. So <laughs> I, that's exactly what it was. I went to a, a conference um, called New Wine, and it was in Shepton Mallet, down in the south of the country. And I was there with work, running an exhibition stand in a cafe, and which is interesting. I, I mean, I could tell you guys so many stories that when people go, who's Gaz Thompson? Why is he running a wrestling company? And I could be like, well, I ran venues for three years for this giant organization with 6,000 seater venues. I did exhibition stands where I used to sell, 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 sell. I've done public speaking in front of thousands of people, which people don't see. And then they go, oh, well, Gaz is just a wrestler running his own wrestling company. And I'm like, no, actually, I've got all this background stuff going on. (laughs) Um, So I saw these guys who were doing weightlifting. So they had this guy on the bench and he's doing press, you know, he's doing bench presses and the weight's getting heavier and heavier. And in between that, they had these two like London gangsters. Um, and one of them was like, oh, I used to be a bouncer. Yeah, I used to, I used to get in fights all the time. And then, and then, I, then I found Jesus. Jesus came into my life. And so he started going on about his story. And I thought, hang on a second. They've done something here. The hook was <laughs> the powerlifting. But then they were sharing their stories and sharing Jesus. So I was like, right, well, if I ran my own wrestling show, I can control the content. So if I do a couple of matches, then a testimony slot, bang, there's a gospel, couple more matches. And then you then get into, you know, what's called the powers of persuasion, which is like, how do you um, maneuver a crowd into a way of like actually giving authority to people? So a lot of criticism comes my way where they say, oh, Gaz, it's the Gaz show. And I'm like, well, I'm sharing my testimony and I'm a wrestler. So if I'm in the first segment, 
giving authority to the church leader in the church. Then I'm then doing my testimony. You get the emotional response. Then I'm in the main event. They want me to win and they stick around till the end. If I wasn't underpinning either one of those things, the other thing doesn't work. So you kind of have to do all of them together. So when you get into the psychology of how to do that with a crowd, not just a character, and then you then fix your figure in the character and the church leader and the church as a whole, you then see how it works. But a lot of people just watch and go, oh, it's gas. It's got gas all over it. So, well, of course it does, because it's my story and it's it's my thing. And it's kind of like I'm here to put the authority on the church so that when you hear about Jesus and you say yes, that the church then can follow up with you and keep you going and get you involved in something like a course or a home church or get you on to Sundays or whatever, because I'm going to go off somewhere else. So we used to tour all over the country doing that. And then we found ourselves a home at Fountains, set up the wrestling school side running monthly events and then that's where kind of like i think really we've kind of exploded then obviously the bbc got involved in a few different things like that has then kind of given us our base to to kind of get the message out there and and now we're baptizing people you know we've seen about nearly just shy of 30 people come to faith since april of last year so in a year 30 which is which is pretty decent in british christian circles like that's really good um and a lot of them are journeying with us. And some of the guys have journeyed with me for years, like Jack Johnson. Um, I, I've journeyed with him for about a year and a half since I brought him into GTM. But then you've got Joel Cobra, who I've known because I used to wrestle his brother 10 years ago. Um, so like there's this guys there who have gone on a massive long journey with us and some that have only been very short. But they will, they will all come back to you and say, well, actually, it wasn't just a church setting. It was the relationships that were formed. It was the 2 a.m. phone calls with me when stuff's going really bad it was me seeing me at a show and like me praying with them before a match or kind of you know working working with them to give them opportunities to get them on the bbc to take them to london to get them on radio to be like look i'm investing in you because you are showing me that you really want this and so kind of building all that stuff around that as well so um it is really a massive community feel at gt ministries um and that's intentional because i want it to feel like a family yeah, absolutely. And of course, you're helping people with confidence issues, depression. I mean, literally, absolutely everything. I mean, for you personally, you've got to be proud of that, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. I, I think uh, in Christian circles, we're taught to be humble and uh, we're taught to give glory back to God. And I certainly do. Um, and I think, like I said, in that short clip that you showed, I'm using my own past experiences, which I know for some people, they find that hard to say, well, if God is good, how can you go through all this bad stuff? And I'm like, well, actually, God probably knew that I'm the kind of guy who would just battle on and get through it. But now I'm using it to help others. And now, Do you I'm mind if I share my testimony Jesus. now? Yes, brother. Go for it. I'm excited All to right, hear it. So, so can you show the, uh, the our logo? Sure. So what's on the other side of the fingers? What gets the score? Uh, easy. We curse despair, prejudice, and fear. And we put it in your hearts to keep fighting. Um, so the logo is a bit of a trap. <laughs> yeah. It's it's made to be like, oh, they're badass. They've got a cool group. And uh, actually, we're fingering all the things that we hate. Um, mm. And uh, I don't get opportunity very often to um, to share Jesus because I wanna I wanna um, just welcome everyone. And yeah. uh, I pass them through love and and community. Um, and, and when I get the chance, I'll, I'll tell them about Jesus. And um, uh, but a couple of years ago, before I founded uh, this this uh, this brand, um, I was riding my bike home from work. I work in the graveyard, uh, 
uh, shift at the time. This was morning and I'm riding my bike home. It's about a half hour ride. And uh, I um, get to this, uh, I'm in this bike lane. There's other bike riders there. And this guy's turning into the parking lot. And so uh, he waits for me. But the other guy thinks that uh, he's waiting for him. And as I go by, he runs me over. Oh, wow. And my ankle is uh, facing the other way. And so it's like completely like broken in, yeah. in, in like three spots. And I'm, I'm going to need a rod in there. And so I get surgery. Uh, they rushed me to the hospital. I'm in there for a, a couple of days. And uh, I find out that uh, I have cancer. Wow. And it's uh, it's been there for a long, a little while. And it's on my, it's on my, uh, it's on my uh, kidney. And uh, so I'm freaking out. Not only have I got a broken leg now, and yeah. it's got a rod in there. I'm learning to use crutches and all that. Uh, now I, I, I find out that uh, I have cancer mm. and uh, I'm really trying to, and I get, they, they put me back at home and uh, I'm really trying to, work through this and uh it's this dark 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 time um i'm like god where are you and uh i i don't i don't really see him too much mm. and i'm like uh i had a friend uh overdose he, he he relapsed and overdosed and died and i was like i prayed i was like god i can't i can't have one more bad thing i can't have one more bad thing please give me something good and uh, the very next day, uh, I'm kind of sitting, having a coffee, and my phone rings. And it's, it says uh, Vancouver Canucks Sports and Entertainment. This is the hockey team in, in my town. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're telling me I won uh, a contest um, for helping in the community. And uh, I, I end up going to going to meet some players i get through some autographs and all that kind of stuff and i my my uh my relative was in town and we went together and uh it was like god had answered a prayer mm. uh not only that uh so that was just kind of like the where it started to turn for me and uh, uh i got surgery uh they removed the cancer and not only that is i got a bunch of money for getting hit by a car <laughs> nice so now it's, it's it's pretty much my retirement fund and like i i, I hadn't been been had a doctor or anything before that so now i got a doctor and all that kind of stuff and it's almost like the car hit was for my own benefit mm. and i couldn't see it because like if i hadn't made it by a car the cancer would have been growing and and yeah. to a point where uh but it, they they were able to catch it early and uh, it really birthed uh, this thing that we have here at FN Wrestling. And I wanted to, I wanted to like have a community um, where we we would uh, kind of like like you, where we have a family. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I love I... that. It's uh, certainly God working in mysterious ways, isn't it? And yeah. and what you've shown there is you've shown the hindsight. So in the moment, you're thinking, "I've just been hit by a car. This is terrible. My ankle's broken." Oh, now I've got cancer. This is terrible. I've got cancer. And then God's like, ah, oh, no, no, no. Wait a second. Wait a second. 
Yeah. You can remove it. It's early. If you hadn't been hit by the car, this won't happen. You asked yeah. for, you asked, you prayed, you asked, this has happened. And so we don't find that out until after the fact, yeah. you know? And I think that's why us sharing our stories is really important because when we're sharing our stories, we go, well, this is what was happening to me here, 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 here. But then God stepped in, Jesus stepped in, and this has now happened here, 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 because we've got the hindsight. We've been through it. Yeah. You know, and so that encourages people, that inspires people, that makes them think about it a bit differently. It gives them some solace in their own moments of, of pain and grief and sorrow and, and whatever else is going on for them to go, well, actually, is there a good thing coming? Is Jesus just waiting for the right guy to come into my life or waiting for the right thing to happen? Well, or, you know the story of the gates called Beautiful, right? Yeah. So that guy was people lose the context of this because uh, he was, he was uh, healed by uh, Peter and John. Right. Mm. But Jesus walked by him every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's what people don't really put in. It wasn't his time yet. Jesus didn't heal him. So he must've yeah. been like, I'm never getting healed. But then Peter and John come after Jesus has, has, has gone away. Uh, so it's like it was building up and his moment was there. Yeah. Thing. Gareth, you were speaking about obviously your favorite story from the Bible. Yeah, so there's this one story where there's this uh, paralyzed guy um, in, in a city, in a town. And Jesus has gone to the town and he's in a house and he's chatting with like the Pharisees and the scholars, uh, the vicars of their day. And, um, and this guy's out there in the street. And actually his friends try to get him in the house and they can't get in because it's too full. And then they climb on the roof and literally kick the roof in, lower this guy down to Jesus and put him in front of him. And the guy gets healed. And I always imagine him kind of running back and going, hey, I'm healed. Remember me? And like sharing his story. <laughs> But actually, what I love about that story is the fact that he needed his friends to bring him into contact with Jesus and to put him there and for him to be healed. And so when I go back over my story, like I have so many guys who I can point out and go, actually, he came and spoke to me and introduced me to Jesus. He came in to be a part of my life to help me deal with my stuff and help me get healed from my past or whatever else. Um, and, and so I'm really keen to have not only those guys that I'm helping, which, you know, the those are the guys at the academy, the people who attend the shows, people who are kind of part of just my everyday life. I've got a whole bunch like my own disciples, if you want to call them that. And um, and then I've got my guys who are above me that I go to that I'm like, okay, I need I need help from you too. So I've got like, oh man, I'd, I'd say maybe 16 to 20 different mentors from different spheres, some in politics, some in PR, some in business, some in charity, some in ministry, um, some just guys who are just really cool um, doing crazy stuff um you know and that that to me kind of keeps me fed but then makes me able to then feed others as well which is i think is a really cool um cool dichotomy to have mm, absolutely so we'll move along obviously to the the wrestling side so i want to talk yeah. about gareth angel the wrestler now how did all this idea come about well <laughs> so my faith journey and my wrestling journey both evolved alongside each other um mm -hmm. i think it's a, it's a great way to put it when i first started training I was crazy gas and I was a big Jeff Hardy mark and um, I used to have, you know, I've kept the long hair and the, and the undercut, but I had like purple streaks in it and um, I pretty much wore Jeff Hardy's gear and I did pretty much Jeff Hardy's moveset. I, it was ridiculous. I, I look back and I'm like, guys, you absolute idiot. Um, <laughs> you do the ladder bits and all that? Oh, I did it all. I did it all. My oh, body man. is a mess from all that stuff, I tell you. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I used, yeah, I used to do, you know, 450s off ladders i used to get put through tables get smashed with metal chairs and 
um, kendo sticks and baking trays and whatever else you could find. So I've got a bit of a hardcore wrestling past and history and a bit of backyard wrestling as well. Um, but then when I started training, I started realizing that there's so much more to it than just crazy spots. There, there's so many nuances in the storytelling. And so Crazy Gaz as a character, there was no storytelling to be had. It was pretty much just a lunatic who showed up and just did whatever. I, you know, I was like, kind of similar to like Darby Allen. Who's Darby Allen? He just shows up and does stupid stuff. If you're a Darby Allen fan, I'm sorry, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> of um, so, so you're uh, looking more to do the Bret Hart thing now? Less so Bret Hart as well. I, I think Bret Hart was a very technically sound wrestler, told stories in the ring. I'm kind of more like your your John Cena, Roman Reigns, CM Punk, The Rock kind of storyteller. I've got it on the mic. I can get a crowd to do what I want. In the ring, I don't have to have a flashy move set to, to emote from people. I get some of the best reactions, most shows that I'm on, and I'm not doing ridiculous stuff. I'm doing very Okay, so more stuff. like Jericho then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could yeah, you could relate to Jericho as well. Triple H even, to a degree. Like, he's, he's technically sound. He could do some stuff, but he doesn't need to be flying off ladders. He doesn't need to be doing stupid things. But whenever he does, it feels more special, yeah. you know? So whenever I, I, I do get into a casket match or a last man standing, and I can pull out, like, some of my old hardcore wrestling because I'm proficient in it, it's cool. It's like, oh, actually, oh, Gaz is showing the dark side. Angel's going a little, going a little violent. Oh, this is interesting. Isn't he supposed to be all about faith, love, and faith, love, and honor and respect. Now he's actually, he's all about like, oh, okay, he's getting aggressive. Oh, <laughs> he's showing a different side. So it, so I, I kind of bring all of that into my character. So I've had to evolve it over time to, yes, I quote scripture. Yes, I pray with my opponents. Yes, we've kind of toyed it with the religious aspect of, of, of who I am, trying not to cheat and, and trying to be kind of, you know, a clean wrestler in that regard. Um, and having guys like try to make me cheat, being like one of the storytelling devices we can have. Uh, both Jack Johnson and Disciple recently at GTM have like offered me a weapon and gone have a free shot, and I've gone I'm not going to do that. And you know, <laughs> kind of, you know, but Disciple does have a shot coming, I tell you, because he put me on the shelf. But that's another story for another day. Um, and and so kind of using those devices. So the Gareth Angel character then became about well, how do I do something different in wrestling that is more so about me as a real person and so like having pray eat wrestle repeat on my t-shirt quoting scripture my profile page talking about me going and speaking at churches that are local to where the shows are or kind of being on the radio and tv and talking about my faith and my journey openly that means that when people come see me at wrestling they're like this guy was homeless this guy had this this guy had that so as a baby face i've already got the sympathetic emotion from the crowd because they've seen me and heard of me um, or they've journeyed with me through some of that stuff. So it just makes me being the baby face so much easier. And it makes having really good opponents opposite me really easy. So when you play all that in, it's kind of like my real life story has helped me become a better baby face because it bolsters what I'm doing. And then my faith gives me a very legitimate kind of anchor to be like, no, this guy is a man of God. This guy does go to church. This guy does because I've seen it and, I, and I've heard it and, I, and I've seen him on radio and whatever. So all of that has evolved into Gareth Angel now becoming Gareth Angel Thompson. And that was kind of off the back of the BBC. Um, so I used Google Analytics to see what people were searching for when they were watching the documentary or trying to find it. And they were searching for um, 
like wrestling church, which is obviously what kind of the anchor of the program. But then they were also searching for Gareth Angel Thompson. So they weren't searching for Gareth Angel or Gareth Thompson. It was the full thing. So that I was like, right, okay. So if they're searching for that, they're going to come across a bunch of different pages. So I was like, right, well, I need to kind of mold them into one and make that the page that they land on so that the Google Analytics is, is kind of leaning towards that. So that makes sense. So then I've become Gareth Angel Thompson, quite like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, um, but that does mean I can cross between both worlds. So, you know, mm -hmm. I can be in the wrestling world as Gareth Angel and put Gareth Angel Thompson and people won't think too much of it and people still call me Angel. But then I can still sh show up to a church and do a preach at front of a thousand people and be like, you know, yeah, he, he, I'm Gareth Thompson. Some people know me as Gareth Angel. And like kind of it just makes it so much easier to, to do that. So um, that's been the evolution of the character. And so now I, how I does it uh, how does it work to be a heel in this situation? Yeah, I was just about to say that. So I don't get okay. to play heel very often. Um, but when I do and I have done um, and I do enjoy heel. Um, I watched your interview with Kirsty Love, and obviously she said the similar thing. Like, it is a lot of fun playing a heel. Mm -hmm. um, I, as a heel, I try not to, not to outright cheat, but kind of just be very mouthy, very kind of like leaning on the religious aspect. Going, well, I'm a lion of Judah. I'm I'm a child of God. No one can beat me, you know. And then that immediately <laughs> gets a heel reaction because people are like, oh, of course someone could beat you particularly those that don't believe in God, because then they immediately start having a go at me, which is great. Um, but uh, if you want to watch something, which is a really cool way of how I've been a good heel, um, if you get a chance, it's a shame we never really got to finish this story. But if you go on YouTube and you find um, Radical Wrestling League, RWR, the place where I originally first started training, they had like a year and a half run of shows in Blackburn, Darwin. And um, they had me as a heel who had a vision before every match. And then I would tell my opponent, I've had a vision that this is going to happen. I don't want to do that to you. It might be breaking your leg. It might be choking you out. It might be leaving you in the referee. I'm going to call the match. But I'm going to win. And um, I'm going to give you an out. I'll pin you. I'll still win. But if you go through this fight, this is going to happen. And so the, the genius behind that was whatever I said happened actually happened. So as a heel for over a year, I was undefeated. And every time I came out, I said, this is going to happen. The, everyone in the everyone there was kind of like, no, it's not. Boo, boo, boo. Oh, angel, boo, boo. And then I'm like, no, it is. It is, it is going to happen. I've seen it. And then it happened. And so I love it. I love it. I got heat because I was arrogant in the way I was saying, oh, I'm going to I'm going to break this guy's leg. And they're like, no. And then I break his leg. And I'm like, I told you. I told you. I'm gonna, when are you going to believe me? I told you I'm going to break his leg. So I wasn't like cheating i wasn't being horrible like oh, mis i was literally just going nah this is the truth and you're gonna have to deal with it and then eventually i won a rumble which is really cool because we did this thing where um before the rumble i had a, an open, a singles match to open the show um and then um so i, I said to the guys like, i'm gonna beat you and this is what's gonna happen then i'm gonna enter the rumble and i've been given number one so i'm like what you need to understand about this rumble is i'm gonna win the rumble I'm going to be the alpha and the omega of this rumble. And then I'm going to go on to win the world title because I've seen it. It's all in a vision. I've seen it. And so I entered number one alpha halfway through. I got eliminated and everyone was like, Oh, oh it's not come true. He's been eliminated. 
but I had like a little faction. I had a couple of guys who'd kind of, we called ourselves the way, which is annoying because it was long before Johnny Gargano had the way thing long before <laughs> the Mandalorian came along. And I'm like, Oh, you all stole our stuff. Um, cause it, cause a lot of uh, Jesus's first followers were called like followers of the way. You know, that's where, that's where I came up. With I know. And from. Star Wars, I get so upset. And Star Wars like, they're, nicked they're, it. They're taking it from the Bible. <laughs> I know. Right. I know. Anyway. So, yeah. So the storytelling is, uh, is, is dead now, but anyway, so, uh, so halfway through I got eliminated and at the end, number 30 was one of my followers. So as he came out, I was like, no, no, give me your spot. So we swapped and I came in number 30 and then won it. So I was the alpha number one and the omega number 30. That is bro. And welcome back to the magic of wrestling. We are talking to Gareth Angel Thompson. Now you spoke a bit about your faith GTM a little bit, but, I want to talk about when you were younger. You said that you were being captivated by wrestling. What did you like about it in particular? So for me, it's always been about the characters and the storytelling. So um, I, I used this example recently at our training school that if you watched the Cody Rhodes-Roman Reigns match from WrestleMania, um, I can barely remember any of the actual match, but I do remember the story points and I do remember the feeling. So it was kind of, that kind of validated to me that again, it's, it's often less so about what you're doing in the ring and more so about the emotional journey of the audience. So I used to love watching um, like a lot of the Attitude Era stuff with the main event guys where it was different stories and a lot of it wasn't happening in the ring. A lot of it was kind of, you know, their interactions with different characters, the promos. Um, but for me, it was, it was seeing those characters come alive, seeing those characters go through trials and issues and seeing how they grew and developed. So I was a massive Shawn Michaels fan um, when I was a kid, although he was a heel at the time, um, I just I just loved everything he brought to the table, and I thought this guy's great. He could do it in the ring, but also like he was just he had so many great like story moments. You know, in the rumbles, like he like they always use the same clip of him just touching his foot and then eliminating British Bulldog. The rest of that rumble, do you remember it? No, but do you remember that bit? Of course you do. So it's kind of I've always been one for moments and storytelling. And that's been massively influenced by, by some of those guys that I used to watch. Um, and, and so, yeah, so a massive Shawn Michaels fan, um, massive fan of The Rock, um, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, later on, like, there were guys like Brock Lesnar. When he first came in, I thought, like, this guy's just an absolute beast and a monster. I love him just wrecking people. Um, and then, you know, later on, like, CM Punk and Jericho. Um, and even to this day, like, Roman Reigns, I think, is just phenomenal, phenomenal storyteller. Um, and and so yes, I, I I kind of have followed quite a lot of wrestling in my time, and I do watch other stuff. Now I watch Impact, I watch AEW, I watch UKW, I watch all my local independent wrestling scene. Um, I watch a bit of Japan, uh, I watch a bit of Mexico when I can. Um, Mexico I find harder. There's a lot less storytelling in Mexico, um, but in Japan as well, you need like long term storytelling in Japan, so you need to be watching it for years to fully get. <laughs> And you can't, you just clap, you can't cheer. <laughs> oh, I know, right? And that, I couldn't imagine. You'd have to mentally prepare yourself so differently as a wrestler to perform in front of that audience, you know? Because it, it would it would be, you know, they say it sometimes in a, in big stadiums where it's like open air um, stadiums, some of the American wrestlers say, like, you don't hear the clap. You don't hear the, the applause. So I can imagine in America, uh, sorry, in Japan, it being a similar thing where you do something, you expect there to be a pop or, or a kind of a reaction. And then you don't get it, and you just get. Or, or what I love when they go, oh, <laughs> and, like, and you just like, 
okay, they must have liked that, I think. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it's, it is it's very different, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, you're a family man, as we see in the documentary. We'll put a link in that description there because I feel like it's really does it justice. Yeah, How do you juggle work, family, and wrestling? <laughs> How how do I juggle? There's the question. <laughs> so, um, interestingly, you know, my, my, my first daughter, Isabella, she was born just before lockdown. So February 2020, Valentine's Day. What a day to be born. Um, and um, my second daughter, Isla, was born December 29th, uh, 2021. So um, they're both still very young. They both demand a lot. Um, and for a long time, when I was running GT Ministries, I was doing it in my spare time. So I was working full time, obviously a husband and a father and church commitments as well. So I'm preaching, I'm doing different things. I'm editing videos for the for the live stream. I'm, you know, running a ministry. I'm dealing with a lot of people's issues and problems. So there was a lot of mental and emotional energy being given out in a lot of different areas. Um, but GTM is, is kind of like I say, it's its own, it's its own special place where I can be preparing for it all through the week and doing little bits in between things. But then on the day, like the energy comes and you're just there and you're in it and you're like, oh, come on, here we go. The wife and kids are at home. Everything's fine. I don't have to think about work. I'm just in the zone. Um, but a lot of it was spinning a lot of plates and being kind mm -hmm. of like, oh, I can just do a, do a match graphic in between answering a couple of emails. Oh, I can just, the wife will go to bed at 10 o'clock. The girls are asleep. I'll stay up for an extra hour and just do a bit of website editing. Or, you know, I'll render it, I'll get a video edited and like leave it rendering overnight, stuff like that. So um, I always did, a, I, I, you know, again, what people don't see behind the scenes of GTM was, you know, um, all of the booking of the wrestlers, all of the production stuff, editing the videos, creating the match graphics, editing the website, doing the social media. I did all of that, you know? So it was a case of like, yeah, I, I, I put a lot of my soul and energy into it. Um, I delegated a few of that stuff recently. Um, has it been as good as I would have liked? No, but um, you know that's part of me learning to give give things over and be like, okay, cool, yeah, off you go, you can do that now. Um, <laughs> um, but you know that all feeds into the next steps with GTM and where we're going. You know, I I, I juggled very well on on a part time schedule, doing very like pretty much doing it in my spare time. I now have more time. Mm -hmm. um, I'm only working 15 hours a week, so I get the other 15 hours to to really focus on it. Um, but we're taking GTM to different levels over the next year, which which yeah. is going to be phenomenal when that happens. Um, yeah. That kind of obviously leads me, obviously, to my next question, because a few a little more so. <laughs> as we begin to wind down. So what's the goals for, obviously, GTM? What's it long-term and short-term? Okay, so short-term is um, we are transitioning into a charitable incorporated organization. So what that means is we can take advantage of both charitable status and be a business that trades. So a lot of what we do at GTM is obviously based at Fountains, running a church, running a training school. We charge for the training school, so that's business. The wrestling church is charity because churches normally fall under charity. Um, we're building something there and we don't charge for the rest for wrestling church. So it's free entry. So there is no business to be made there. Um, so we're looking for people to invest in that and to want to see that grow and develop. We also now, do you have a wrestling ring when you have the church. Yeah. 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 So we, yeah, honestly, watch the documentary. You'll see it. We have a wrestling <laughs> ring and then we've got a baptism pool right next to it. We've got a nice. worship band off nice. to the right and then the wrestlers come out on the other side. Um, but it's all on Facebook and YouTube. We live stream it all, so you can watch it all. It's all on our website as well. 
gtministers.co.uk. Um, so we, the, the immediate goal is to get that charitable status sorted out to be able to create a vehicle that people can give to, that people can support, that people can um, take advantage of. And then we're going to long term do wrestling church in different parts of the country. So we're going to find churches that we can partner with and we'll say, hey, look, we'll bring a training school to you. We'll plant a training school. You'll then be reaching the local community. We'll do youth classes. We'll do adult classes, beginners, advanced, women's only, whatever, kind of expand all that. Um, and then you then start running shows locally, either in partnership with the local promotion or we'll just provide all the stuff for it. And then you then start running Wrestling Church as a bi-monthly event and start sharing the gospel and seeing people come to faith. So that's that's the model, essentially, um, that mm-hmm. I've just explained. That's currently getting put into a graphic, and I've got a, a big booking next year in front of 13,500 people in Minehead that I'll be telling them all about it, and they're all church leaders, so that should mm-hmm. see us massively grow next year. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's kind of all, kind of that's the long-term goal, is to have multiple wrestling churches mm-hmm. um, slash GTM sites all over the country. Um, and then we can then have, like, an NWA-style world champion that tours the sites and uh, each site have their own champion that can be the only guy who challenges a world champ and kind of have that going on as well. Um, and then maybe brilliant. international. You never know. You know, we could come to Canada. We could come to Vancouver and do something there. We could, yeah. you know. <laughs> let's do it. I've got, I've got contacts. Let's in, partner up with Heppin Wrestling. <laughs> dude, let's do it. Honestly, I, I'm all for partnership. I'm all for partnership. That's, that's one of the key things I, I think that uh, British wrestling has not done very well over, you know, the last 10, 15, 20 years. Um, you know, I, I say to every p- promotion that I've worked for or every promotion that I've connected with, if I'm coming to your neck of the woods as GTM, there is no point in me promoting GTM there. I might as well promote you. So let's get your trainees on the show. Let's get your training school plugged. Let's get your wrestlers. Let's get your ring. Let's give your main event guys a top spot so that when I leave, all these people who are now wrestling fans, who were wrestling fans that the church is promoted to because you're not currently promoting through churches, it's a whole new group of people that you can that you can bring along. So I'm always open for partnerships. If there's any promoters out there that are listening, um, let me know. If there's any wrestlers out there who want to be on our shows, let me know. Because if we're touring around, I'd rather use local talent than be shipping our crew everywhere because it's more expensive. Um, but yeah, so we've got all that going on as well. And that may potentially mean a brand change as well. We might need to um, look at a new name and stuff. Mainly because GT Ministries is just so connected with me. Um, mm-hmm. Gaz Thompson. Yeah, you know, that's kind of where the GT came from. And ministries, people look at it and they go, we don't even understand what that means. So, uh, you know, we need to have wrestling in there somewhere. So, um, yep. like I say, I've got a charity lawyer I'm speaking with. I've got guys who've set up you know, national organizations that I'm good friends with. Um, so I'm kind of working with them on how to best do this and model it well and, and connect with certain churches and stuff. So all of that will happen in the next, you know, next six to eight months. You should see all that kind of kicking off and then hopefully by the end of well, beginning of 2024 we should have a couple of sites set up um ready to go um, yeah absolutely we'll cut, we spoke we'll about the cody it. Rhodes match yes were you pissed off like the rest of us <laughs> um no i i i think i i wasn't because i again i'm a storyteller so i was thinking oh where are they going to go with it you know, that was my question. It wasn't, oh, this is terrible. They've missed the spot. Because you could have said the same about Drew at Clash at the Castle, right? You could have been like, oh, Drew should have won then because all the momentum was on his side. I don't agree. I, I think let's let them tell that story. Let's let them see where it goes. If they're splitting the world titles, this is what I do. So this is Gaz Booker coming in here, right? Yep. 
what I would do is I know that Cody Rhodes as a character, this is why I love about storytelling, as a character, he's got a thing for the WWE Championship. He doesn't care about the Universal. He's got a thing about the WWE Championship. He wants to win Deagle. He wants to win that one title. His dad never won it. That's his goal. The Universal title is irrelevant. So you get to Money in the Bank, you have Cody win Money in the Bank, and when he cashes in, he only cashes in for the WWE Championship. Roman's Universal title is the one that's going to go a 1,000 days, so you keep the Universal title on him, keep him running with that until he gets to The Rock later down the year, or Jey Uso could be a guy to take it off him, or Seth Rollins takes it off him because Seth's a bit pissed he didn't get the main event spot, and you might need to appease a talent like that because he's very good. Um, but Cody, yeah, give him the money in the bank, let him cash in at SummerSlam, but only for the WWE Championship and win it. And then you split the titles in a natural way. Roman's taken a loss, but he's still a world champ. And you get to, everyone wins when you do it that mm-hmm. way. That's what yeah. I'd do. There you go. There you go. So obviously we put on Instagram that you're coming on the show. Some fans obviously got asked. And we got one question from a fan and he said, how do you think the trainees of the Academy will do once they begin on shows? Um, I think when they get to a point where they're on shows that they will do better than most would expect, I think. Mainly because we're not just letting them do what they want. We're not just letting them get on shows before they're ready. Um, I, you know, I've, I've seen, I'm not going to name names because I don't think that's that's wise, but um, there are some promotions that have training schools that run events regularly and have their trainees on the events regularly way before they're ready way before they've even got gear they're still running around in t-shirts and venom kick pads um <laughs> and and i'm like they've got no gimmick they've their moveset is very basic they're still making a lot of very basic mistakes their timings off is really poor quality i don't want my trainees to be put out at their worst mm-hmm. i want them to be put out at their best when they're ready and that means they'll have a gimmick. That means that they'll have a, a story booked in for them to, to debut with and to run with. They'll have vignettes done. They'll have decent promo images. They'll be on the website. They'll get social media accounts set up. All of that will be ready before they go. You know, they'll mm-hmm. have merch ready before they go. And then when we introduce them, they introduce well, and they're putting the best light, and they're putting with wrestlers who can help them learn on the job. So I know who's asked that question. He's eager to debut and he keeps pestering in my ear and I keep telling him you're not ready. <laughs> and we will, you know, Sean only, who's our other coach, um, and we've got other people who dip in and do seminars and stuff as well. We've all said to all the trainees from day one, this isn't a six months jobby and you're on shows. This is a long-term investment in your physical health, your mental health. And when you get ready to be on shows, you're ready. And you, you are the almost complete package. There'll always be things to work on and develop but we don't want to put you out before you're ready. There you go. So hopefully that answers the question. So I've got one final question is, looking back for everything you've been through, would you have done anything different at all? Oh, man, oh, so much. And I, I think, you know, you, you have to be open and honest with yourself. There's mm-hmm. plenty of bookings I wish I'd never took um, for, for shows that were just an absolute shambles when I showed up and I got told, oh, you got you got 10 minutes and you're going over. When are we on? Oh, you're on second. Okay, the show's supposed to start at seven, don't start till eight o'clock. There's barely anybody in the place. You know, the the promoter's losing their mind. Um, I'm kind of just like, oh man, I wish I'd never shown up. Um, (laughs) And and so there's a lot of bookings I wish I hadn't took because I I think in some areas it has slowed some parts of my career down at times. Um, There are a lot, I kind of wish I'd got my kind of physical health in a better place much earlier on in my journey. I wish I'd been in the gym more often. 
Um, I wish I'd learned so much more of um, so much more of the the taxing part of your body, not having to do as many mental stuff so early on in my career and learning more of the storytelling stuff earlier. Um, I wish I'd I, I wish I'd switched to trunks much sooner. Um, <laughs> I had I had pleather pants for about two years and then I switched to tights, and both of them were just terrible. Like sweating in them, hard to. I kept having to pull the pants up all the time, um, tripping over them. Man, I was like, oh, I wish I'd just got that sorted much sooner. Because um, I love trunks. You get so much more flexibility in trunks, and you just look smarter. I think. Um, and you know, I kind of, I kind of wish, kind of wish I'd maybe at times given it more energy as well. You know, there were mm-hmm. certain seasons of my life where, you know, I felt too busy to get to training as often as I could have, or to wrestle as often as I would have liked um because I, I often have wrestling bookings thrown at me and i'm like well I'm, I'm with the wife and kids this weekend or i'm i'm speaking at a church this weekend or i'm at a, a conference or something else so i had to say no to a lot of stuff i kind of wish i'd said yes to more stuff as well so lots of things man i mean if you went through month by month my whole career i could tell you yeah that was a mistake that was a good idea yeah that could have been done better and i think any any wrestler who's been around a long time will have regrets in their in their life and in their career, but I think you know we need to wear that up with the good stuff, like the kids who come running up to me with my t-shirt on and tell me how I'm I want to, you know, I want to put you on the spot a bit here. Um, yeah. Uh, so there might be people watching um, that uh, have have thought about Jesus, but they haven't really put much investment into finding out about him. Uh, there might be someone who's who's interested in maybe going down the road and learning about God and going to their local church. Uh, yeah. Can you tell us a good reason why they should look into that? Um, I think that if you look at some of the people around you who are Christians, if you have them, if you don't, look at me. Um, I can tell you through my journey and my story, if you look at where I came from, abused as a kid, alcoholic mother, homeless at 15, bullied, no GCSEs, failed marriage, in debt, unemployed, depressed. If you were to look at that guy then and then look at this guy now and you see all the differences in the different stuff, I could tell you that was Jesus and Christians in my life that made that happen. So if you're sat there toying with this idea of maybe I should go to church, maybe I should go speak to a Christian that I know, maybe I want to learn more, maybe I want to start reading my Bible or I want to start praying more often. If you do it, you will see things change. If you don't, they won't. Simple as that. And whatever that looks like for you in whatever situation you're in, just reach out, connect. Not every church is going to be for you. Try another one. Not every Christian you meet you're going to connect with. Try another one. There will be someone out there that that you can connect with. And don't ever deny Jesus an opportunity to work in your life. The fact you're listening to this podcast right now tells me that maybe this is one of those moments where we happen to have a former pastor on and Liam's brought me on because he's heard my story. And here I am going, you want to know about Jesus? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like there's no coincidence there in my books. There never is. I'm about to do a preach um, this Saturday at Wrestling Church um, about the road to Emmaus, which is after Jesus has died, there's a couple of guys just on the road leaving Jerusalem, going to this place called Emmaus, which is, you know, they don't even know where it is. It was that insignificant. But anyway, it's in the Bible. So it has, it has its significance. And Jesus just appears next to them and they don't know it's him. 
Um, and so they're kind of walking along and they're saying to him, do you know about this Jesus guy and everything that happened? Do you know? Do you know? Like, oh, we need to tell you about what happened just now in Jerusalem. And they're walking along and then they get to this house and Jesus then starts breaking bread with them. And then they realize, oh, hang on a minute, that's him. That's the same guy. Oh, when he was talking to us about the scriptures, we kept, oh, you're Jesus. And then he disappears. He's like, oh, you've got me. I'm gone. And then he disappears. And then he appears to them again later when they get back to Jerusalem. But what I'm saying is, in that story, you're getting a kind of sneak peek. I know this has gone out after the preach, so it's cool. Um, <laughs> what we don't realize sometimes in our life is that Jesus has been there all along. Yeah. And we've been talking to him all along. And we've been having people in our lives who have been there because Jesus sent them all along. Yeah. And sometimes you just need to open our eyes and recognize, oh, that's Jesus. Or that's God. Or whatever you want to pin it down to. Yeah. And when we do that and we have our eyes opened like that, why would you not then take advantage of that situation? Why would you not then follow that? Because yeah. you've just gone, wow. If you walk away from that, that's ridiculous in my book. But if you see it and you go, whoa, that's Jesus. This podcast is Jesus speaking to me. That thing that happened when that guy came and ran over my leg and I went in and got my kidney fixed. That was, you know, it, you, yeah. can, you can do yeah. that. So it's just having your eyes open to that moment. And maybe this is one of those moments for you. Get on with it. Go find a church, find a Christian, have a chat. Yeah, and that is a great thing to end on. So before we do our outro, Gareth, is there anything you want to plug, my friend? Yeah, so I would I would just say get find us on the socials, GT Ministries UK, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, we're over it all. Find our website, gtministries.co.uk. There's ways that you can engage, watch previous events. You can give if you want to. We're on Patreon, we're on Buy Me A Coffee. It's all kicking off. Um, and just keep your eyes on us. Because this year there's going to be some big changes, and um, hopefully by next year. If you send, uh, if you send Liam all your links, we'll put them in the description. Yes, absolutely. Can do that. So that pretty much wraps up our interview. So, Canada, do you want to tell everybody about where they can find us? You can find us on fnwrestling.com. You can buy a shirt. Yeah. Uh, uh, Of course, there's our lovely uh, Natalia Markova. She is the face of F and wrestling. Um, and uh, uh, of course, if you love old school wrestling, and we know you do, uh, we run Adrian Adonis's store. So uh, this is one of the things that happened to us. He just kind of fell on our lap, and God gave the legacy of Adrian Adonis to us and gave a friendship with Natalia Markova. I've actually been able to share the gospel with Natalia Markova. So. Come on. I'm in her DMs talking about Jesus with her. <laughs> oh dear, this is brilliant. This has been an absolutely amazing story. Gareth, thank you so much for sharing your stories, and I wish you nothing but the best, my friend. Thank you, guys. Love you all. That's a problem. So on behalf of me, Liam Wakelin, Canada Dry, Gareth Angel Thompson, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and I'll see you and all. And remember to just keep fighting! <laughs>